Hey, educators. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. All I ask for you to do after listening is to like and share the show. If you really enjoy the podcast, rate us on any app that allows you to do so. Now that that is covered, let's get to class. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Classroom Chatter. I'm fired up to have our guest this week. It is Craig Giannino uh, in the baseball realm. He's University of San Francisco's player development coach. He's also a dear friend in my life. Uh, Craig, thanks for coming on the show, and I'm excited to have you on. Zach, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited, and uh, it's a great way to, to get better and and, in, and spend my afternoon with you. So thank you for having me. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. I um, So I know that you're the player development coach at, at USF, but I was wondering um, when it comes to, when it comes to physical education, um, what school do you teach at? Or is it, is, is it a group that you teach through? Yeah. So, so yeah, it's a, um, it's a it's a private education company that's the name of its rhythm and moves been in business over 35 years and what we do essentially is service physical education and music education to public and private schools school mm-hmm. districts um, kindergarten through eighth grade all over the bay area so it's essentially schools will reach out to us to provide their their phys ed program and we then provide the teacher and all the support that comes along with having a physical education teacher. So we provide full-time jobs. Um, our teachers are credentialed teachers that go through the credentialing process. So you know, many teachers that go on to into a school district to teach. Um, you know, that's that's one avenue. Another avenue is to come work at Rhythm and Moves and have an opportunity to be around about 65 physical education, music education teachers in that one discipline and be able to have a network of resources to be able to develop and grow together. So it's an all-inclusive package. So for example, one school um, has me, for example, as a teacher at their, at their school, I provide the, we provide the curriculum for our teachers in schools. We provide the, all the equipment necessary for the teachers to, uh, for the children. Um, uh, we provide, we, we pay the teacher salary it's a benefits the whole it's a great it's a great opportunity for teachers um, to go this route because of all of the support they get they're also I also act as a mentor teacher to teachers so I have a team of teachers that I get to mentor um, and coach along and I've been doing that for a long time I've been with the company I just um, I just completed last year my 25th year with rhythm and moves and um, and so I you know I've been in it for a long time and seen it evolve and, and um, grow. Uh, but that's essentially what I, you know, to, to sort of bottle up, bottle it up in short. It's a private education company that provides uh, phys ed and music ed teachers to schools and school districts all over the Bay Area. Wow, that's really, really awesome. Uh, just curious, is there a way to out of state, out of state teachers to check in on, on what you all do and kind of learn that way? 
Yeah, I mean, they can go to our website, um, rhythm and move, you know, www.rhythmandmoves.com. They can, it's a general, you know, it's a, just an informational website, but we're on Facebook and Instagram. They can see photos and pictures um, and sort of get a, get sort of an idea of how we operate. And, and we have, I mean, I argue with our teachers all the time. I let them know that we've got the greatest teachers in the country. Um, they're, they're incredible. And just the support that they're able to give each other, uh, it's, it's really, um, you know, it's like, you know, it's, there's pros and cons to all of it, right? It's like at a school district, you might feel like you're on an island. Um, whereas our professional development meeting once a month, we're in a, in a meeting with, you know, 30 physical education teachers trying to strategize and, and figure out ways to get better and, and, uh, using each other as resources. Hey man, how did you handle this when this happened and this situation happened in my class? Well, what, what did you do? And so just this, you know, when they're in the same domain like that, it really gives uh, a deeper insight to, um, to strategies and ideas that they can pluck and go run with that they think may work and help them in their environment. That is excellent uh, because just knowing from experience some friends that are phys ed teachers, I, I think that's one area and music education for that matter too. Those are two areas that I think a lot of teachers that are in it, at least in our area here in West Virginia, I think that's one, those are two areas and that, that, the teachers want resources and want to want to learn more. And I think that's an excellent way to start the show. And I think that's, you know, if no one else gets anything from this, which I'm sure they will, I know I definitely will. Um, they'll have that resource if they're a physical ed teacher or, or a music ed teacher, and they'll get that. And, and that allows them to, to learn and improve as an educator. That So I appreciate you bringing that up. Because let me that, just, let me just say, Zach, I have no problem with you giving, my my email to to the people and if they want to reach out and and if anything learn more than well you can find me on twitter you know that'd be awesome yeah yeah i certainly will that's that's really helpful again you are the man always giving and and always helpful for others and so i'm so glad to have you on and since i I know you pretty well but i think i'll get to know you a little bit better uh, with our first few questions here. So sure. always, uh, if you're a new listener, I always start off with some getting to know you questions. Some of these are interesting and funny and silly, but it always allows us to kind of ease in the conversation and, and have a good time while doing it. Uh, so what was your favorite subject in school and why? You know, when you sent me the questions, I was like, okay, this is interesting. I actually had to think about it pretty hard because personally it, it wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't an easy question for me to answer, and I and I say that, and I and I'm gonna just let you know a little bit more of the personal side of me as to why. Um, ed, the educational process for me as a student was challenging. Um, I had a tough time in school, and I had a tough time in school because early on in my life, I was diagnosed with hemophilia, which is a a severe. Well, I'm severe. It's a bleeding disorder, but it comes in mild, moderate, severe, and I happen to be hemophilia A severe, which means basically you can internally bleed frequently. Um, and so you can, you know, I'm going to be 50 years old this year, and uh, you can think back. Well, you can't because you weren't born yet. But, but back in back in the day when I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed at 16 months old, and my parents 
noticed that I had all these bruises on my body and they were like, they're going to think we're abusing him. We got to bring him into the doctor. And that's how is how I was diagnosed. And so from that point on, obviously I have a twin sister who's not a carrier and I have a younger brother that's seven, 18 months younger. He doesn't have hemophilia, what they call a spontaneous mutation. But I give you a little bit of context because early on in my childhood, I was, I struggled with a lot of bleeds. Um, it affects your joints. It was my right ankle joint that really targeted. And I, when I got to the days of going to school, um, I saw the kids playing and doing what they, they were doing. I was like, I want to be like every other kid, right? And so one of the first things my dad did was give me a baseball mitt, a glove. And I was just like, I, I fell in love with just playing catch, right? Like, didn't know what I was doing, but I fell in love with it. And, and so that's all I wanted to do, though. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go to school and really learn because I really didn't, I was, I was always in and out of the hospital. They had to figure out how to infuse me when I had a bleed. My mom had to stick me in my hand every time I had a bleed and it just created this whole other dynamic for my parents. Um, and, and, and from just my own childhood experience, um, that when it comes to school, um, you know, there were days when I'd go to school on crutches one day. And then I was, because I infused myself, it clots the bleeding, and so I'm better, and I can go to school the next day without crutches, but kids didn't understand that. My peers didn't understand that. So there was these labels of, he's a faker, he's, you know, he, you know he's, he's looking for attention, he's, you know, and so, so that really um, affected me subconsciously when I look back on it as an adult, and, and when I look at now school and what my favorite subject was, um, I was really afraid in school because I was always concerned about what everybody was thinking about me because of that experience. And so anytime a teacher would be in class and call on me, I like almost froze up and, and I had this anxiety and, and that was real for me. And so, um, it, it was really when probably not until I got into high school where I started to realize um, the value of education and, and, and even then it was still challenging, but, um, it, I start. I remember specifically Mr. Sanso, a history teacher. Um, I think we were reading, I forget the book, it was Lord of the Flies. Maybe he made us read, um, a book. And anyways, long story short, uh, I just remember he made an impact on me and it wasn't because, um, what I, it wasn't because of what I was learning. It was because of how he made us feel and how accountable he held us um, and the discipline in which he executed his classes. And, and that, 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 that stuck with me for, for a little bit. And so my favorite subject, I mean, obviously I just wanted to be out and play. I played high school basketball and high school baseball was fortunate enough to be able to do that with the hemophilia and God bless my parents for all of the support. I can't, to this day, I don't know how they did it because I know how scary it was for them back in the day. Um, but, you know, I, I tell you this because that first question, it's sort of a long-winded answer to response to that first question um, because I was like, man, I, I really don't know what my favorite subject was or is. And and really, I just know that I, I, I knew that I wanted to be active and I wanted to be able to be like every other kid. And what that meant for me was I had to learn at a very young age that in order for me to go away and be with all the other kids, I had to, like, to a camp, or, you know, 
like I'm talking like a five week, five day camp overnight. I had to learn how to infuse myself. So if I had a bleed, I could take care of it myself and I didn't have to rely on my mother because my mother wasn't going to be there. And I had to get one more adult that was going to be at the camp that would be willing to infuse me in case I couldn't do it myself. So at six years old, I learned how to mix my medicine and, and um, treat myself. And that was game changing for me, game changing, because I was able to just about, uh, for the most part, be like every other kid with, you know, obviously some some, you know, contingencies that I had to, you know, obviously be careful and be aware of certain things, but that was liberating for me. And that sort of got me back on the path in terms of what I could and couldn't do and what I wanted to do. Excellent answer. And I think it's, you know, that's really helping us get, you know, that's something I did not know. Um, kind of going down that path a little bit, was there ever a teacher that was, that kind of showed you that, you know, it was okay to, you know, to be you, to, to not, you know, to accept, you know, what, what, what you have. Was there anyone that, that did that? Yeah, it wasn't until, um, so then you fast forward through my high school years, you know, I come out of high school. All I want to do is all I want to do is play baseball and I really don't have any opportunities. Uh, you know, my, my, I played the outfield as a leadoff hitter, my, my ankle joint, I played basketball for four years. So my right ankle took a pretty good beating, um, over those years. And so I knew that I had to pro I probably wasn't going to be able to be a position player in college because of the pounding. So, uh, and the impact on just all of the running that goes on. So I, um, I ended up going to the university of San Francisco and I didn't go there because I was, uh, I, I actually got a scholarship to go there, but it wasn't for baseball. It wasn't other than, it wasn't for anything other than I went to this Salesian girls and boys club as a kid. And uh, a family member had passed and left a lot of scholarship money for certain kids. And basically, you had to be a loyal kid that was a great kid that represented the mission of the boys club. And they, she wanted the scholarship money to go to serve kids that wanted to go to the University of San Francisco. So I got that scholarship and I screwed that scholarship. I screwed it up as fast as I got it. I wasn't ready to go on to college into a four-year institution and take care of myself. I had no idea what I was doing. So I went for the summer. I had to go take two summer classes. I passed them. Went to the first fall there. Ended up not making it through the fall because I, I just wasn't ready. And then had to go back to the director of the boys club and tell him that I wasn't ready. And here it is. I'm 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 wasting a huge opportunity. And uh, the fear that I had to just express that was, was one of the biggest challenges to this day in my life that I had to do. And I did it. Um, and so I ended up not playing. Then I went to, then I transferred out to, um, I actually did nothing in the spring. So I had one year of doing basically nothing after my high school year. And then I, one summer on a vacation that, that same summer, I was like, I want to play baseball. I just want to go to a junior college and you know what? I'm left-handed. I can go pitch. I pitched in high school a little bit. I mean, I, I can make it work. Transitions that I go, I play were awful, uh, like four and 28, I have all four wins. I remember pitching a game. I won four to our team won four to three. I went CG nine inning complete game, 162 pitches, 11 walks, um, and we win the game four to three. How does that even happen? I don't know, but um, I do remember. This is where it all changed for me. We went to another junior college right across the bay in Marin County, and I pitched against the College of Marin, 
and we beat them one nothing. And the coach on the other side is in the Hall of Fame, and he he came over to me after that game and said, "Man, you are a difference maker. Man, if we had you on our staff, we could go to the state." And he just he just poured this belief into me, and I just started to believe it. And he said, "If something changes between now and next year, and you want to transfer, and you 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 know you want to come over and have an opportunity, let me know." And uh, it was a no brainer. I transferred the next year, and it was because of that one man, Al Endress, at the College of Marin, um, that changed my trajectory and my path. Um, and that's really what catapulted me into teaching, giving, serving others, leading, mentoring. It really started. It shaped me in my childhood and my childhood experiences at the Salesian and Girl, Salesian Boys Club, where I grew up in North Beach in San Francisco. But really, it. Um, it, it continued with the junior college experience with this one coach. Um, and then the entire staff was really like-minded and just, it's amazing how they just made me believe I was better than I was. And that gave me the confidence and self-esteem and self-worth that I needed to pursue those goals. That's important. And I think that's a recurring theme for listeners and, and myself. Um, and the best educators, coaches in the world are ones who pour into others, are totally selfless, and are completely authentic uh, with those actions. And certainly I learned quite a bit from that from you, uh, especially with uh, the leadership hot stove at the ABCA. And, and of course, you know, at the University of San Francisco, the leadership and culture meetings, uh, it's, it's just awesome. And, and it's so true. I mean, in, in thinking back on my end, who were the coaches and teachers that that really impacted my life? It was those that poured into me. And that's what I hope to do each day for my students. Um, they may not like what I'm teaching. They may find it boring, mm-hmm. but they always seem to have a smile on their face and, and have a good time in there. And they, and they grow as a human being. And I think that's what we're always after. Well, and I think that it speaks to, again, it's it's how he made me feel, you know, it's how he made me feel. And he, it was the authenticity in which, um, it, it just, it, it penetrated my soul. Um, and you know, he said this, and this has been, I mean, I think I've heard this frequently over the years, but he said, you know, this, I heard this, you know, in 1991, you know, he said, Hey, he says at the, in the end of the, at the end of the day, you know, I'm the CEO of people. And uh, I'm like, what, what does that mean? And he's like, I am the I am a chief encouragement officer of people, of others, and that's what I've that's been my life's mission, and that that hit, and it yeah. it um and it's and it's and it hits today, you know. Sometimes, you know, you're like I was just on a call the just about right right before we got on this call with another teacher who, who's having a tough time and. And uh, I just had to flip the, the questioning a little bit and the mindset a little bit to to get this teacher to focus on what they're doing well and what they could celebrate today. And and the conversation, once I held her accountable to giving me something, going down the positive path, it changed the whole trajectory of the conversation. Not not to de- devalue you know the frustration and the and the and the challenge, but to also you know the macro piece of everything that's going on is 
pretty good. But we get caught up as teachers and educators sometimes so focused on what's not going well. And what's not going well is 5% of the big picture. And we can lose our minds on that five percent, and um, and that's and that's but that's real, and it's 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 that's you have to be aware and mindful of that, and and so I just um, it, it yeah so CEO you know chief mm-hmm. encouragement officer of others it's just you know a people yeah it's it's amazing um, it really is. and. To kind of piggyback on what you said there with with the teachers kind of beating themselves up a little bit. Sometimes I catch myself doing that. Then I have to stop myself and realize, you know, what's my job here? And, you know, it, it says teacher. So not only am I teaching my content here, that's, that might be, you know, a little bit of what I do. But the majority of what I do is, like you said, is you encourage. You're the guardrails uh, for that human being. Um, because odds are, are they really going to, you know, hopefully they recall and remember some of what you taught but in reality what they're going to remember is how you made them feel and that goes with teaching and coaching and because do i remember some history things yes <laughs> right off the bat uh and but the majority of what i remember is all of the good things that my teachers did for me and to make me feel and to believe and and to grow and that's at the end of the day, that's our job, really. <laughs> well, and, and I and I define it for our teachers in this in this order: mm-hmm. care, connection, content. And I'll, I'll I'll simplify it even more. Connection is greater than content. Not to devalue content, because we have to teach our subject matter. But when I go observe teachers and I watch teachers, and they're in their environment and they're trying to teach the content, but there's zero feel and instinct and with itness and teach, teaching awareness of what's actually happening in their class. And there's no rhythm and connection to the group. The content's irrelevant. There's no learning occurring when that happens. And so I, I, I always, always encourage, hey, man, we got to really focus on, you know, setting the environment. It's all about environments and how do we cultivate the environment? What do you see? What, Zach, what is your, what is your optimal learning environment for your children and your students look like? Tell me what it looks like. And then let's work and reverse engineer. What do you need to pour into that to create and manifest itself in that reality? And once you have that and you work at it and you, and you, and you, you define it and you nurture it and you feed it and you shape it and you model it and you reinforce it over and over and over again. Then it starts to come to life. Mm-hmm. One second. I am so sorry. My dog is <laughs> I love Southpaw. So, and that's, that's <laughs> sort of what we're dealing with these days. I'm sorry. I apologize, but I, I'm back. But so you got my point, I hope, you know, so it's, it's this idea of, you know, a lot of teachers, no fault of their own, you know, I'm sure you've had this or, and I've said it as a, as a, as a teacher, you know, well, I, well, I taught them that I go, yeah, well, just because you taught them that doesn't mean they learned it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so, so we got to keep teaching it. And there's that, you know, the old adage, repeat to remember, remember to repeat. And, our, you know, 
we are products of our upbringing, right? So, you know, I made the biggest mistake ever as a teacher and a coach early on is I started, and it didn't work for me as a player early on in my high school days. You know, I coached how I was coached. And actually, when I look back on that, it was a great lesson in, in that I needed to learn how to teach and how to get the response that I believe is going to help develop individuals that's going to help develop teams because a lot of the coaching I got no fault of my coaches they were great people great human beings to this day but they didn't know what they didn't know they didn't know how to teach the why very well and it it was taught to one specific group it was taught to the top if mm -hmm. you couldn't you know anybody can teach the best player right they don't need as much as the middle and the bottom Right. So what are you doing for the guys on the bottom? What are you guys doing for, to move them to the middle and moving the middle to the top? And so I think that 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 lend, that leads right into understanding personalities, understanding psychology, understanding learners and their needs and their readiness levels and how to push and stretch their comfort zone. You know, knowledge plus one. Right. You give them just a little bit to, to live out on the edge of the guardrails um, to push them outside that comfort zone just a little bit. And I do it with my own students and I try to do it with my teachers. And sometimes it doesn't feel comfortable and, they, and they'll let me know. And I said, that's the whole point of developing and growing and learning is to get out on that edge and, and live out there a little bit and, and just mm -hmm. stick with it with the right attitude and stick with it long enough. You come out the other side of it and you're like, wow, man, that was fulfilling. That's awesome. <laughs> this has been awesome. And there's so many avenues I want to go, go down. I'm not sure if I have it on on the question list, but you kind of mentioned the why, right? You mentioned the why. Um, so my question is now, what is your why with teaching and coaching? Uh, my why, that's a loaded question, Zach. It's pretty simple <laughs> to me. It's just there's, there's, this, there's this feeling of gratitude and this feeling of um, difference making that moves my soul and my heart when I can, I can see somebody um, fail forward and I can see somebody take that risk and get a, get a message back saying, thanks for listening or get a message, um, hey, thanks for just being there today. It's just, it's just rooted in the way I'm wired. My why is to give and I, I really actually feel awkward and uncomfortable receiving. Um, I, I don't know why, but it just sort of, I, I just feel much more, um, at peace giving and, you know, and sometimes, you know, I, I hear it from my wife and my daughters. They're like, they're like, you give to everybody and you forget about us sometimes. And I go, you're, I got to stop doing that. You're right. Um, and that's, you know, but that's just my, that's my why. I mean, it's pretty simple. It's just like, this is, this is, I've. This is my calling. This is who I'm meant to, to be, and and it's um it feels right for me. I think that's an excellent answer. Um, and you know, I'm hopping around questions a little bit, but I think it just it's going along with what you're saying. Um, so, in your opinion, in your opinion, what do you think separates a good teacher from a great teacher? Um. 
A good teacher from a great teacher. There's a lot. Yeah, it's a great question. That's a great question. Uh, I think the great ones never stop learning. I think the great ones have this incredible, uh, special, not even special. They're just aware enough to, to, they're just incredible problem solvers. They're always selling solutions. They're always finding a way. If they get stuck, they're able to bounce out of it quick. Um, you know, the analogy, it's like in baseball, right? It's like, hey, we made the, adjust the adjustment after the inning, right on. Um, but can we simplify and make it after an out? Can we simplify and make it after a pitch, you know? So the great ones are just able to, 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 to roll and, and manage and, 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 and understand all of these hats that they wear uh, and not get stuck in. And I think in education, we get stuck in the problem. We get stuck. Um, the other piece I think that separates the great ones is this desire to, to be curious, learners. Um, and there's this, this um, intrinsic feeling teachers, great ones have that, that they're always trying to find ways to help every learner in their class. Um, and what may work for, you know, Cindy doesn't work for Joey and, and they're, and they're trying to push the buttons and it's just a constant, constant eyes forward, moving forward, trying, trying to get better, trying to grow, trying to do things differently. I think evolution and evolving and adapting is critical for great ones. They're, they're also gritty. I mean, they're, they're resilient. They're tough. Um, they, they understand the marathon of education. So, you know, one day is not going to, not going to destroy them. You know, it's just pick up the pieces, move on mentality. And it's, I think that they have incredible relationships with not just their students, but they have incredible relationships with their, 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 um, their families, the community, their coworkers, their colleagues, they actually classroom teachers. I find the best classroom teachers, the great ones value physical education. The great ones value music education. The great ones value every component of education that helps the whole child succeed. And, you know, obviously they're masters at their craft when it comes to the content and they're masters at their craft in, in how they teach the content creatively. And, you know, I, I, use, the, I use this, you know, my, my teachers can tell me what they taught all day long. But I, my question is always, what did they learn? What did they learn? Prove to me. Show me how they learned. How can you demonstrate their learning to me? How can you demonstrate, not so much to me, how can you demonstrate their learning to you as their teacher? And so it's just, um, the great ones are always, and, and, they're, and they're, um, they're also vulnerable. They're also authentic. They're also enthusiastic they're also engaging they, i mean i watched a music teacher today she blew me away man she she blew me away she was electric and i don't know what she was i don't know what the content was she was teaching but i was glued to her because of how she was um how, how she was so captivating and i think you know you have there has to be this desire and this passion and it comes from within so i mean i gave you a roundabout response to it but there's so many factors right but at the same time you have to be yourself and so 
I'll end you with this part on great ones. And, and it's an analogy I use with our teachers. It's like, hey, man, I, I am obviously a very passionate, energetic, enthusiastic personality by nature. That's who I am. I'm Italian. We wear it on our sleeves. The hands move. Lots of demonstrative body language and expression, right? It's who I am. And, and so when I talk to my teachers about, hey, listen, if I go on and model a lesson for you and say, well, wow, that really worked. I said, yeah, but I, yeah, it was, but I, it can work for you too, because you're, you're just, you are an effective teacher, but what you're not uh, practicing right now is just being yourself. You're trying to please me instead of focusing on your kids and focusing on your expertise and doing it within the guardrails of your personality and who you are. And so you go to the, and I use this, so think about, you know, we've all, you know, whether you've watched the show, you've seen American Idol over the years. And Simon Cowell always says, you know, he'll, he'll destroy and criticize a person, right? And you can't sing a Whitney Houston song, that's Whitney Houston, you know? And if you're, if you're gonna sing a song, and it's that great, and somebody like, my point to it is, you need to make it your own. And so my point to my teachers is, is you got to take the content that's given to you, that we provide you, the curriculum, here's all of the content, and you read the lesson, and you're, well, now you got to go make it your own. And that's up to the individualistic personality of the teacher, and that's what I try to empower and encourage with our teachers. That is so, so true. Um, and I think it's I think it's a hard lesson for a lot of young teachers. Uh, fortunately enough, I've been around a lot of good teachers and a lot of good coaches and the whole authentic piece. I hear it a lot. So it must be true uh, because all these people are being honest and authentic and truthful about it. And when you do that and you try it and it works, it's just enlightening. And and so I think that's what's helped me kind of get ahead of the curve with that a little bit. Uh, but like you said, it's the, the the best in the world, best educators pour into others constantly, want to continue to grow and also um, can captivate and keep their students engaged, even if they don't like what you're teaching, even if, mm. you know, so, so that's so that's always so, that's super important. Um, so excellent answer. Excellent answer. So I want to I want to hop to this one. Mm -hmm. I think this is a, a question that I think even even veteran teachers kind of wonder sometimes. Uh, so what are some of your favorite techniques to individualize learning for different uh, populations of students? Oh, great question. So my first experience ever teaching, um, I was um, I was you know, I, I was in an environment that was very low socioeconomic, um, very diverse. And here's this white kid who's doesn't know what he doesn't know and I'm going into this environment and I really didn't know what I didn't know but what I did know was I was going into their environment and I learned really quick I needed to learn learn as much as I could about the culture of the environment about the ethnicity of the of the population and the, and the diverse ethnicities involved in the populations and really needed to understand um, my my community before I could really ever earn any trust and respect for them to listen to some 
22 year old white kid, right? Like, come on. Um, so I think no, knowing that going into it, you know, if I had gone into that environment, approaching it based on the way where I was born and raised in, in, in what point of view I saw in my life and experienced in my life growing up in the educational process, it would have been an epic fail for me. It was still really challenging, but I had some awareness going in that I needed to step back and really figure out how I wanted to approach this. And I leaned on every teacher in that school, every principal in that school. It was like this competitive um, goal that I had because I was the minority and coming into this environment that I'm not familiar with, but my my goal was that I those kids are going to they're going to learn to trust me. They're going to learn to respect me because I'm going to give and I'm going to win them over. And I'm going to find a way and I'm going to show them how much I care and I'm going to connect on different levels and I'm just going to be there when they don't think I'm there. And that was obviously a takes a lot of effort and energy but that's what i mean if you're going to go into teaching you're you got to go all in like you if you're going in one foot in one foot out you get out of teaching right now like this is all about everybody else but you and you you have to you have to pour your energy into knowing your community and you know i'm sure that i know there was tons of judgment like what's this guy like who's this guy coming in you know and but it took time and I just chipped away at it, chipped away at it. And, and little by little, I started to get, these kids started to like, I'd be setting up in my gym and all of a sudden kids would want to come in and talk to me in the morning before class or, you know, just little, 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 you know, you know little pieces of like, okay, progress, progress. Not to mention it, you know, not to say it wasn't, it was all roses. It wasn't, it was, it was a lot of work. Um, so I think, I mean, to answer your question, individualizing the learning for diverse populations really boils down to um, having a growth mindset because going into diverse populations, you know, apples aren't always apples and oranges aren't always oranges. So you have to understand what, what do I, the equity and access piece of it is really challenging at times. But I think sometimes, you know, we get so stuck on equity and access that we end up just staying stuck. And instead of doing anything, we got to act. We got to, well, there's, what can we do within our means to make a difference? Um, and sometimes you got to get super creative to find ways to connect the dots for your students and, and, and make them feel like they have everything everybody else has. Um, so it's, there's no um, black and white answer to that question it's i think it's a case by case circumstance and situation based on the environment you're in and um and just but you have to you have to go in with you you have to be all in you have to be invested committed in this in this in this field and if if you're listening as a young teacher or a, a veteran teacher if you're a veteran teacher on this call and you're listening you know it's about renewing every year for for us older people about renewing and continuing to grow and develop and, and 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 make a difference. If you're younger on this call, invest, invest, invest into your children, one through 300, 
find a way, you know, in the physical education world, we see 300 kids, you know, a day, that's 300 names a day. Let's let, so my goal was always, I got to know all 300 names. If it's my first time ever being, I want to know every, every student's name within the first two weeks. I'll grab yearbooks. I'll do whatever I can. I used to meet the kids in the car, in the car line, and I, good morning, you know, tell me your name again, and just little strategies like that. Or if I'm in a classroom and I, I don't know them, hey, before you respond to a question I have, if I call on you, tell me your name before you respond. And so just little things like that that helped me start to know who they were. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many, so many avenues you can go when you talk about indiv individualizing um, your your approach and your strategies to, to to serve different populations, and I think you just have to really do your research and do your homework going in. Two things really have kind of come through with with our conversation tonight. One's with itness, and uh, there's one of my favorite professors from from state always talked about with itness and just being able to adjust on the fly right when right when things need to be adjusted and that's always been a challenge it's in the back of my mind especially now as, as a first year teacher is how can i how can i adjust on the fly when i can tell things aren't you know things are kind of bottoming out a little bit and and so that's that's awesome that because that's that reaffirms that challenge for me to continue to improve and to continue to stay on stay on my toes, so to speak, on uh, when I need to change, when do I need to stay on things? That was excellent, excellent. Let, let, go, do you have a second? What was the second thing? Were you just oh, getting? Oh, go ahead. The second thing is consistency. Mm -hmm. uh, I just think it's so important, and and consistency is different for everyone, right? It, you know, it, like you said, you have to be patient with each student that you have, because what they need varies and their trust is different because of their experiences. Everyone's a product of their experiences. So that's excellent. This is great advice. This is uh, fantastic advice, really. This is as uh, stealing Jeremy Shinger's quote, this is uh, certified audio gold. And wow. <laughs> so, I finally got to certified audio gold. Wow. That's yeah. You got there. Let, got let me there. share, let me share this one strategy just cause you, 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 you made me think about it in um, with the with uh, the with itness comment. You know, in teaching junior high, right? It's like a constant, or high school, junior, middle school to high school. It's like you know, it's like this constant, like it's like psychological warfare, right? It's like it's like it's constantly trying to stay one step ahead of them to keep them on their toes, keep them sort of anticipating what's coming instead of they know what's coming prior. So, you know, one of the things that I always had fun with. And it really developed this fun rapport because they got them. They knew how much I demanded of them, but they also knew that that was my way of um, showing showing them how much I care about them in a in a fun loving way. Um, but one of the things you can do at the end of one of your lessons, I mean, I'd encourage every teacher to just do this one time. You know, when you end the lesson, sort of go out of character and just be like. Um, all right, well, I'll see you guys on whatever. Uh, but before you leave today, I need to see Jack. I need to see uh, Bonnie. I need to see M. I need to see Jackson. I need to see Chloe. And I need to see uh, Jason. I need you guys to stay. 
rest of you have a good afternoon. And they all leave, right? So in innately, most kids, now you got them lined up. There's six, eight kids right there. They're lined up right in front of you. And you, I mean, you're, you know, you got the straight face on, right? And you go, hey, uh, uh, Chloe, why do you think I need to see you? I don't know. Uh, Jackson, why do you think I need to see you? Uh, we're in trouble. Uh, and and, and they, you know, they're, and they're just, they don't know. They're just confused, right? But they're a little nervous. They're a little excited. They're a little anxious. And I just said, hey, listen, man, I just wanted to let you know you guys did a great job today. Thank you for being you. See you later. And they'll be like, this sign of relief, right? I'm like, and I got all of you. I got every one of you. And it's just like little things like that that keep it real for them. They show that, you you know, you're fun and you're you're connecting with them. And yeah, at the cost of maybe their anxiety for, you know, a couple minutes. Um, but it just it just it just builds the rapport. And, you know, you, for sure, they're going to leave and go tell all their friends. Well, what, what did he what did Mr. Janino have to talk? And, oh, he was just being funny. Got us. And, you know, whatever, you know. And so that's just one little like uh, thing that that made me think of like the witness thing, but you know, when you're, you know, I, yeah. Anyway. That's awesome. <laughs> we'll have to take that. That'll be, that'll be awesome. And man, I, that's one thing that if my teacher did that, I'd be, like you said, the anxiety would be through the roof. Well, the second part is I'd remember that that would stick with me and shows how much, you know, that, that the teacher cared about me. So that's, that's awesome. <laughs> let me just go i want to go back to a comment you made earlier about um the uh forget what we were talking about but you said um oh my god maybe it was around the great teachers thing i, I think or the I, I forget what it was it'll come back to me forgive me i forgot it'll come back <laughs> hey it happens to the best of us happens to the best of us um so I want to go here specifically on um, new and veteran teachers. I know you, you touched on it briefly about consistency and renewing uh, with learning and, and, and continuing to grow and learn. Is there any other, uh, is, is there any more advice that you would give to a, a young teacher and then to a veteran teacher? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, at the, you know, when you, when you have that summer, after a te you know, let, let's say you're a first year teacher, you're you're coming off of your educational process, and you're going into your first year of teaching, or you've been teaching for a while, and you're in a summer, and you're getting ready to to, to start teaching again. It's really like taking those summers to really reflect on your previous year, and and ante up, and and sort of get the battery charged, and then really go back to what is your vision, what is your purpose, what are your goals, what are your values, and allow that to drive the the process of how you see your year going um and, and i think just because you're new and just because you're a veteran i look at it like just because you're a freshman on our baseball team just because you're a senior it's it's a new year it's a new team every single year so it's it's about can i have a rookie mentality as a veteran teacher can i have a rookie mentality as a veteran teacher and then the rookies the rookies are going to be rookies because they don't know what they don't know right but the rookies my biggest advice to the rookies and the first year teachers coming into this thing is man they they gotta 
they got a they got a value preparing they got a value planning they got a value reflecting they got a value um organizing they got a value uh setting environments they got a value i mean there's so much that goes into your first year that it's it's a crash course i mean really if if they can you know we, we we look at it in the model of survive thrive lead well first year teachers it's usually survival right they're just trying to survive and they look back on their first year i always ask the teachers at the end of the year man what would you tell your younger self now that we're at the end what would you tell yourself you know nine months ten months ago from what you've learned and it's just it's amazing to hear teacher responses about what they would do differently and how much it's going to serve them so well in their next year and how excited they are to start their next year and so i think that it's it's never ending it's a fluid situation the great ones never stop there it's just constant 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 because it's just part of the fabric of who you are and when you're in it for those right reasons and you're invested and you're committed uh it's 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 it just your why and your purpose is that much clearer reflection is a is a beautiful thing uh, and that's something that at least in my college education at western U state that's one thing they they really had us do all the time and it's something to where you know sometimes you think man why are we reflecting so much but really once you get into the teaching environment that's most of the battle because if you're not improving from a you know a lesson that that isn't very good then it's your fault and you're also sacrificing the time of your students and that's that's a dangerous thing because you we we have to be the best version of ourselves even if it's not that good right so it you know it's a constant improvement uh, understanding uh, from the shortcomings kind of Augie Garrido right you win or you learn and something that that stays in the back of my mind all the yeah. time is just because just because something didn't go as planned doesn't mean it's the end of the world i can improve it for the next time so it's excellent. Well, well and i think i think that the connection that also i'd like to go a step further on with that is isn't that what we're trying to help our students with so when they see that hey when we're giving our best effort it didn't go as well as we thought it might have went or wanted it to go um that's part of the learning process part of the growing process um but I took the chance and I took the risk. Now I, I can refine it, reevaluate, make the adjustments and and move forward to my next lesson and I'll be better because of it. And that's it's it's a it's a marriage, right? It's it's you can't have one without the other. The great ones, the great ones see see it see it on both sides. And what that does for your students, especially when you talk hey man. You know, like, have you ever said to your students, like, you know, I, I feel bad today for you guys. I didn't feel like I executed the lesson as well as I could have. I wasn't getting the responses I thought I want. I thought I was going to get. And that, that's what it's about. We're teaching for response. And when we don't get response, a lot of teachers blame the kids. And I think that's the biggest mistake teachers yep. can make because there's a lot of reasons and variables that go into why teachers go down that path. One reason is because of their ego. Um, but, but really it's, it's, you know, it's not about us again. If we keep that in mind, we got to find different ways to teach the same thing. We got to mm -hmm. find creative ways to teach the same concepts, 
that are going to give them a plethora of ways to understand the content and go apply the content. Um, and that goes into, in the educational world, differentiation. Yeah. I mean, perfectly said. I mean, and that, that's it, right? If, if we're not getting the desired response that we're getting, then it's us. <laughs> it really <laughs> it is yeah because it, you, whatever say i'm interpreting and, and johnny isn't interpreting or whatever i interpret and johnny interprets it's going to be two different interpretations right so it, it really we need to to help our students understand what we're saying or we have a common a common language but one thing kind of a hack that i kind of learned from from reading a, a book at least my senior year on teaching was whatever you're teaching if you have a student that gets it absolutely gets it we'll have him or her mm -hmm. say it in their own words and so that allows it to go into student speech so now that those that were kind of fuzzy on not understanding it automatically get it now and i think the more you can collaborate and communicate and have that marriage between teacher and student where everybody's on the same level playing field we're all in this together learning together i think that is super beneficial especially in the classroom and and really in, in, in any educational environment and and i'm glad you brought that up because i think that's one of the biggest things that i think kind of kills some momentum in the classroom and in any educational environment because the moment we we uh, we say we're vulnerable but but act like we're know-it-alls i think we lose all credibility of our students well, I think that that's, um, you know, it's a great practice to teach a concept, allow this, like, you know, in the context of physical ed education, right? We teach a concept and we've broken the concept down into small parts and they've built the concept up and, and they all have a ball, let's say, and they're practicing a striking concept. And you notice that just in the performance that Billy's, he's mastered it or he's proficient at, at the concept, and we get Billy to be able to demonstrate and we highlight Billy and everybody stops, you know, in the physical environment, you got 40 kids. We say freeze. The ball goes between their feet. Hey, check Billy out, man. Billy's Billy really gets, he really understands the concept. And then I'll walk through the cues as Billy is practicing the concept. And it provides that visual reinforcement, like you were saying at their age level to see what I'm trying to teach them. But really I'm using Billy as the, you know, as my teaching tool um, and then and then it provides an opportunity for them to do um, to, to, to get into some group work and watch each other and then give feedback to one another. And then there's that role of the peer peer um, development where they're getting a chance to be student coach um, based on the cues that we've taught them. And they can now identify, uh, OK, maybe you need to bend your knees a little bit more there, Billy. You know, or hey, Billy, I like the way you, sh you you were able to move your feet to get underneath the ball. Whatever you know, whatever the whatever the conversation may be, but it really taps into that. It becomes student centered. They be, they feel um, like they have ownership in their developmental process. Um, it's it develops confidence in themselves. It, it develops self esteem, and it gives them opportunities to to. Um, uh, it includes social interaction. So you've got the psychomotor, which is the physical being, being um, addressed in that lesson. You have the effective domain being addressed in that lesson with the social interaction. And then you have the cognitive domain being 
um, affected in that, in, included in that lesson. So you got three domains in that lesson, um, the critical thinking skills with the cognitive piece of it, and then being able to, you know, make inferences on their own based on the guided um, process of, of teaching and, and learning. That's, and that's the beauty of it all, right? Because that's one thing that I think as teachers, especially with, with creative and critical thinking, I think that's something that we need uh, specifically and more engaged in, 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 the, in the more we get students to speak and talk and really be part of the lesson, the more we'll get that and the, and the more they'll understand what we're teaching. And it just it's it all comes down to communication. And of course, that's a skill that I worry about right now, especially in a pandemic. Agreed. <laughs> so it's uh, it's it's. So it's interesting. So anytime we can get that going in the classroom, either virtually and in person, I think that's that's huge to have. Well, so my let me just let me just uh, give you another. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Elena Aguilar. <clears throat> um, she's um she has she does work around. She's called the art of coaching. And when she talks about emotional intelligence, she breaks it down into four concepts: self awareness, self management, social awareness, and relationship management. And it speaks to exactly what we're talking about. Um, that if we can, and, and then, and then, um, and then connected to that is another model that that we use a lot that I've used for a long time is Hellison's levels of responsibility, and it's it's really age appropriate and kid appropriate, but it basically breaks down. It's like a ladder, five steps, and it it it, it, it identifies, it defines each level. Zero means you cannot take care of yourself, like you are, you know, and it builds it up to where you want, you're trying to help kids get to level three and four where they're able to not only manage themselves, but also help others. And so it breaks it down into, into um, five levels of responsibility. Dr. Don, uh, Hellison does, it, he really, really does a good job with that and makes it um, applicable to really any environment. That's something I'm definitely going to look into because I'm kind of, I'm a nerd for blooms and webs, uh, webs depth of knowledge and blooms taxonomy. Those are two yeah. things I could <laughs> could talk about all the time and, and and love. So I'm excited to 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 dive into that because there's I'm kind of a nerd with all that. I love I love it. But uh, my last question that I have, my yeah. last question I have for sure. you is, what has been your favorite memory in education and why? Oh man. Favorite memory in education and why? Well, I would probably just go back to how I actually got the job that I got. And this was in 1995. I answered an ad in the San Francisco Chronicle newspaper looking for a physical education teacher. Probably I said, so I put on a pretty much a pinstripe suit. I'm going down there. I'm going to go try and, you know, interview for this job. And it was in, it was in our owner to this day. It was in her house. And I remember there, it was her and another woman. And I walked in and we had a nice conversation. I sat down and then she said, well, here's a paperweight. She gave me the paperweight and she said, how would you teach a five-year-old to underhand toss this paperweight or an, or an object. 
So she really right there wanted me to be able to articulate how I would teach a five-year-old an underhand toss. And so I'm in a suit in the middle of a living room going through the steps to an underhand toss. But what I learned when I, when I, when I, um, when I was communicate, when I was trying to teach this, I learned that I knew how to underhand toss the object, but I had no idea how to communicate it in five-year-old terms to get them to, re- to be able to underhand toss the object. And so when we say things like, do it like this, well, what does this mean? There has to be a specific cue attached to this, and then that cue has to be age appropriate to the language of the student so they understand what you what you mean and they make the connection and they can make it the connection in their mind so they can make the connection physically and so i just will never forget that and that's always stuck with me about um it's all i've carried that through in terms of when someone's not understanding something i'm not doing good enough job teaching for learning and so that's that's just a been a something that I've all, I always go back to. I think that's an excellent way to to end the show because I think that's something that it comes down to simply communication. And I know just a couple of minutes get a couple of minutes ago we were talking about that, but it's so important. And and again, uh, if you're listening to this, uh, we're in currently in in the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, so maybe if you're listening to this a couple of years down the line and, and you're like, why are they talking about this? Why is, why is communication an issue? Well, it's because a lot of students um, are at home and, and they're, they're kind of unfortunately secluded away from some of their friends in, in some aspects. So it's important to to have these conversations now more than ever in the classroom because they are they miss it. <laughs> I mean, some of my lessons, for example, my fourth block class, it's a resource class. Um, and, and my end goal is to have them talk way more than, than I do. <laughs> and, 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 and when they talk, I want it to be content specific, but you know, if it gets off on a tangent a little bit about something they find funny, I'm all on board with it because they're having the time of their lives in there. And if, if that's what they're doing and they're smiling and having a good time, and they're going to want to come back the next day. And again, like like you said, it's all about the students and improving them as human beings. Awesome. And I would just last thing I want to just say is teachers out there listening, find find three things that you can end your class with that are consistent that you go to every day to leave leave um, with your students. You know, I've changed them over the years, but one one set of three for me has been, you know, I'm proud of you. I believe in you. I love you. And just see what happens. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, Craig, I appreciate you coming on the show. I definitely need to have you on again. I'd love to talk physical education with you. I think this, that's a topic that I think a lot of teachers would, would love to improve with. So I appreciate you being on the show and you were awesome. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you for having me. It's, it's an honor to be on your show and um, thank you for what you do. And, you know, across the, the United States of America and probably the, the globe at this point, 
But uh, I don't know how you do it with the time, but you make it work. And just remember, you're newly married. Pay attention and check in. She's number one. She certainly is. She's top notch. There you go. Lucky to have her. Thank (laughs) you, Zach. It's been a pleasure, my friend. It's awesome. Can't wait to have you on again. And can't wait to talk to you here soon. Thank you, Craig. All right, Zach.